Hello, this is Father Bryce Evans, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, with the Deep Down Things podcast, offering a brief reflection on the conversation with Jennifer Bryson on the life and work of Ida Friederica Gures. The translation and republication of Ida Gures' lecture on trusting the Church in Logos's fall 2020 issue certainly seems aptly timed in this era in which so many of the societal and ecclesial struggles that Gures knew in the late 60s and early 70s appear to be gaining a second wind. Indeed, her diagnoses of those days sound all too familiar to the keen observers of our own. In today's church, just as there was then, we find confusion and lassitude, frustration and desperation, disillusionment, and even talk of impending schism. One might well think her as a prophet for how well she articulated the looming threats which continue to hang over the church to this day. Her question, then, is very much our own. What does it mean, what can it mean, to trust the Church under such circumstances? Is it even possible today? We are tempted in facing this question to resort to unsatisfactory alternatives between apathetic resignation and tribal entrenchment, between a passive accommodationism that would deprive the gospel of its cutting edge, and a strident sectarianism that would borrow too much from the wisdom of this world in its analysis of ecclesial dynamics and seek security in the willful assertion of a church of one's own definition. Gurus, however, offers us another course between these inadequate alternatives. Instead of reacting to the surface-level disturbances, she plunges us more deeply into the heart of the church, into the essence of the church that can only be penetrated by a living faith. And here she arrives at an analysis that presses beyond the merely political and human historical levels to a level that is, properly speaking, dogmatic. In the Church, living today, we discover the continuation of the paradoxes of the Incarnation and the Cross that lie at the heart of Christianity. Just as Jesus' divinity was in some sense hidden beneath his humanity in the course of his earthly life, and just as this divine identity was even more profoundly obscured in the horror of his crucifixion, so too is the holiness and beauty of the Church often obscured in her march through history by the fallen humanity of her members, even to the point of hiding her essential holiness beneath its apparent opposite in the mangled corruptions of human sinfulness. Certainly, no merely human analysis of politics or of historical dynamics could be sufficient to penetrate through this veil to the dogmatic truth of the Church's holiness. Only through faith can it be recognized in the apparent contradiction. If we wish to find a place to exercise and test our faith in the Crucified One, therefore, we need look no further than to the humanity of the Church, which confronts us every day, which indeed calls us to believe in more than we can see. Her holiness does not always, nor as a rule, appear straightforwardly on the empirical level, and we need to look beyond this level if we wish to see through to her true essence. No appeal to any mere human agency, of popes or cardinals or theologians or bishops, will be sufficient to shelter us from the scandal that meets us here. Only if we can see through to the divine agency, behind and beneath all these human machinations, will we be able to persevere in our trust in the Church as something more than human. This is, of course, impossible to a merely human rationality on the level of human analysis. But if our faith can give us light to see the Son of God, and the mangled flesh of the crucified one, then it can also give us the vision to see the indefatigable grace of God at work in his body, the Church, 
even as we stare with unblinkered realism into the depths of the human depravity on display right within her. The world might think of these two operations, recognition of God's presence and the gaze into the abyss, as irreconcilable opposites. But the cruciform pattern of Christian faith allows us to bring them together. The Christian is at once the greatest of idealists and the most hard-edged of realists, who needs not to shrink from looking directly into the void. The Church, therefore, which forces this uncanny unity of operation upon us in every age, represents the presence of the cross in human history. It is the place where we are called to exercise our faith in the mystery of the resurrection. And while this is not always pleasant, it is ultimately a good thing, because the cross is the place where the work of our salvation is accomplished and where the battle of redemption is won. It is where sin is conquered and where broken humanity is taken up and transformed. To belong to the church, then, is to know this mystery not merely as something past, but as something present and underway. The cross teaches us that God's light is always at work in the midst of the darkest hour, and that therefore there is no darkness that need discourage us, nor any darkness in which we cannot have hope and confidence. This is what Itagurus calls us to in the midst of our uncertainty and struggle. She calls us to a renewal of faith in the central mystery that underpins the life of the Church, which can give us a steadfast confidence that God will not abandon His Church, nor ever cease to be active within her, even in the bleakest of circumstances. This, of course, should not be taken as an excuse for passivity or apathy in relation to the critical fault lines that still call for serious engagement in the current era of the ecclesial drama. Certainly, there are battles that continue to need to be fought, arguments that need to be made, clarifications that need to be sought for. It does, however, remind us that, in the midst of the battle, we are called to march forward in peace and confidence, never giving in to temptations, to frustration or bitterness or sadness or despair, but rather, with an eye to God's continual presence and work within His Church, we are called to press on with a resolute joy mindful that the victory is already won. It is precisely here, in such circumstances, that the battle between sin and redemption is being worked out. We should rejoice to be a part of it. This has been Father Bryce Evans with the Deep Down Things podcast. I look forward to being with you again for future reflections, which you can find on our website at patreon.com slash deepdownthings. God bless you.